As promised earlier, we are joined by former Georgia quarterback David Green, who is down in the Atlanta Gwinnett area. David, how you doing? George, doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Doing good. It's good to good to talk to you. I know. I hadn't talked to you in a while. I hadn't seen you in a while, so it's good, good to catch up. Hey, I want to relive a moment for you of Tennessee, Georgia glory. It was hard for me to believe when we went back October of 2001. Let me just say for the viewers and the listeners, this is the hobnail boot touchdown. <laughs> and there's a touchdown! Touchdown, my God, a touchdown! We threw it to, we threw it to Haynes! My God almighty, did you see what he did? We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. <laughs> The hobnail boot. Never heard of one before that. Okay, so I remember when you and I had lunch that day, I asked you, what the hell is a hobnail boot? And you had no idea. No idea either. No, and but, you know, that's part of what makes um, what Mayor made Larry Munson so awesome. I mean, you look at the fact that you could just tell he was like any other fan out there that was just uh, elated at the time, and you could tell what he was saying was not scripted. You know, I don't even know – if he even knew what he was saying in that moment, but he was obviously so excited that we were able to come back. Look, he had suffered uh, a lot. I mean, he had suffered through so many seasons. I don't think we beat Tennessee at Tennessee uh, the 20 years before that. And so he was like a lot of Georgia fans that uh, had suffered many years. So when we got that win, it was uh, it was a lot of joy and a lot of frustration coming out for a lot of people. How often does the hobnail boot get brought up to you? Well, uh, still a good bit. I mean, I, I think with most Georgia fans, they would say when they think about my career, um, they certainly think about that play as one of the biggest. Now, I would argue, I would say that the uh, play to Michael Johnson at Auburn was probably the biggest play because there was more on the line. I mean, it was the SEC, you know, uh, the SEC East was on the line. If we didn't win that game, we don't go to the championship. Um, but certainly, you know, you take the play, you give the circumstances, Coach Rick's first year, we're trying to get the program turned around. Uh, and then obviously Larry Munson's call with it being one of the top, uh, you know, top handful of calls uh, that, you know, that go down to Georgia history. Uh, and given the nature, he's, you know, talking about hobnail boots and everything else. It was uh, – <laughs> It was a cool moment. It's cool to be associated with that play. Yeah. Did he ever say to you, hey, by the way, on on your touchdown today, uh, this is what I called it? No. And I think I actually saw him on the bus after the game. And I can generally say, like, I, I don't really think he even knew what he was saying. <laughs> and like I, I said, it. that's kind of what's so cool is it's not really scripted. You know, he's just kind of being – authentic at that time and um no he never mentioned it and, and if you've ever been around larry i mean he was an interesting guy to begin with um and, and a pessimist and that's the thing that drove oh, me totally. always been an optimistic guy by nature and then you got larry over there who was oh here we go again this yeah, was totally it, empty it was totally <laughs> larry and that used to drive me crazy you know david he he and my dad were big buddies and um, they from from his Vanderbilt days. And so I knew him growing up and I, I can remember calling him. 
I had done a Georgia Tech Virginia game up in Charlottesville. This was 2006. He was, I don't know, 83, 84 years old. And I'm listening all the way home on WSB out of Atlanta. And he still got it. Now, I know his eyes failed him somewhat at the end. But I, I remember I called him a couple of days later. And I was like, I could only hope to be what you are at this age. He was amazing. He was unbelievable. And, you know, what a tough uh, position to step into. And Scott Howard's just done a fantastic job. The voice of the dogs, obviously, for a number of years now. But, uh, yeah, nobody quite liked Big Larry. I, I want to I run this by you. Um, you know, you didn't fall out of a turnip truck football-wise. So you're sitting here watching Josh Heupel and, and what they're doing. Sure. What is the sauce that he's found that nobody seems to be able to stop? Well, I think he's come up with a plan. You know, obviously he's got Hooker at quarterback. He's got these players uh, believing that they can play. And I'll tell you, the majority of this game is mental. Uh, he's got this game plan where they got the up-tempo, um, the plays, the, the offense that he's designed is working. They spread to fill out and force you into these one-on-one matchups um, that they've got some really good athletes, and they're winning a lot of those battles. And when you try to play coverage, you know, they've shown they can run the ball, and when you try to bring pressure, they show they can beat you in those one-on-one matchups, and the defense is coming around and playing good enough to where uh, they can win ball games. And so uh, I think what he's done is he's had he's shown that the players have bought into his game plan they're having success, and now they've got the confidence. Uh, and certainly the, the fan base has been starving for a while. Um, and, and, look, Neyland Stadium is one of the toughest places to play. I mean, when that, when that team is good, I mean, it is rocking in there. So um, there's a lot of things going in the right direction. I've got some good buddies that are Tennessee fans, and I said it last year. I said Tennessee's got their coach. They finally hit the right one. You could tell that they had a plan. They were sticking to it. Uh, and I could tell even last year, I didn't know they were going to be this good this quick, but I could tell last year uh, that they were on the right track. David, uh, it got out earlier this morning about Nolan Smith out for the yeah. year. Yeah. What does that do to Georgia defensively and, and specifically in this game? Well, a couple of things. One, I would say from a leadership standpoint, it's a killer. I mean, he's one of those guys – um, that was not afraid to hold everyone accountable, get in somebody's face if they needed to. I think we miss his leadership as much as anything. Uh, from our defense, it's a killer. I mean, we're not great right now with sacks to begin with. Uh, we've been pretty good with pressure, uh, but you take someone who's been around that long, um, I would say he's like a pro's pro. Of course, he's – you know, not playing pro ball yet, but I mean, he's a guy that plays the game the right way. He leads the right way. Um, tremendous player for us. It, it, it is going to hurt us. And we're taking a, a defensive front that has not been able to produce a lot of sacks. Um, and you're taking one of our best guys out. And there's no question it's going to hurt. Now, look, Georgia does have a lot of depth. There's a lot of good players that get a chance to prove themselves and step up and step up. Uh, but not having Nolan certainly it is going to hurt us. Do, do you look for anything out of Kirby out of the norm defensively that we're going to show them some things they haven't seen kind of mentality? Um, 
I mean, look, I'm sure he's 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 going to be very aware of his tendencies that he's shown to this point, and he's not going to be try to be too predictable. Um, the one thing that I think you cannot allow, which Alabama seemed to do, is decide to play coverage, allow you know only rush three, drop eight, uh, and expect to stop their passing game. I think they proved against Alabama. He can fit it in tight spaces. Um, I think you got to be committed to you know getting pressure on him and um, and making him throw these tough passes and and you know make him beat you in these one on one matchups. Like he's not easy to stop. Clearly, nobody's really been able to do it. Uh, but if you can get pressure on a quarterback and not allow him to stand in a clean pocket, it certainly makes things a lot harder. And I think Alabama, looking back on it, they would probably go, "Man, I probably wish we wouldn't have played." coverage as much as we do as much as they did and try to get a little more pressure on them. Tell me a little bit about Stetson Bennett, because it's almost like a made for movie. Nobody right. wanted him goes to Juco for a while. He's fourth string and suddenly he's good enough to win a national title. And you're like, that's a movie. <laughs> it really is. And, uh, you know, we've, we knew he was good a while back. I mean, the year they went to the national championship with Jake Fromm, uh, there used to be talks out of Athens that, hey, this scout team quarterback, back when Roquan and those guys were still here, there was a lot of talks uh, from those defensive guys said, hey, this Stetson Bennett is shredding that starting defense, which is a really good defense. Um, I think Kirby learned only early on that, you know, this kid's a great competitor, they knew not only could he throw, he could he could run the ball, which I think Kirby's talked about time and time again, how much he enjoys being able to use Stetson's legs, um, you know, to, to hurt a defense. And then when he finally got his opportunity, look, he I don't think he was ever supposed to be the guy. Uh, but when he got a shot, uh, he proved that he could do it. He could handle the moment, that he was a great competitor. Was it always perfect? No. And, and was he playing with the same poker chips as everyone else? The answer is no. I mean, he was playing at a, uh, if he would have really you know, messed up bad at any time throughout his starting career, he would, they would have probably yanked him pretty quick, but he played really well. And, uh, and so much so that, you know, there's five stars that are sitting on the bench and, and he's the guy that's leading the team and led him to a national championship last year. And even through, you know, some moments that seemed a little hairy, he had obviously proved himself enough to the to the offensive staff and and to Kirby where they felt like he gave him the best chance to win. And and going into this season, um, it's amazing with him getting, you know, a full offseason of the reps, you know, just how much better he's gotten in that whole timing with the offense, um, you know, how much better it's gotten. David, uh, you got two quarterbacks that are both 25 years old. How big an advantage is that for them? You know, it's wild you say that, George, because I'm sitting here. I didn't realize they were that old until um, this past week, I think, of the Georgia-Florida game. They said, you know, Stetson Bennett just turned 25. I'm thinking, my goodness. Um, I mean, George, I graduated high school when I was 17. Right. I did redshirt. I think I finished Georgia when I was 21 or 22. Um, but it's becoming, George, it's becoming more and more common where you get guys in high school that are coming out later and later so they can be a little more developed. You got guys that are 19 years old when they're stepping into college. And uh, I think that shows that's a that's a big answer where people are going, hey, these kids are coming out of high school. 
uh, you know, ready to play college ball? I think the answer is, yeah, it's because they're 19, 20 years old when they're coming out of high school. Uh, but that certainly helps from a maturity standpoint. I think it clearly shows that uh, they're on a path. They see themselves as playing, you know, playing that that sport because um, there's not too many 25 year old kids that are still uh, in college uh, unless you failed a number of times or uh, or, <laughs> or took a break and come back. I would have been a candidate. Yeah, well, I'm sitting there thinking I got a lot of buddies that you know took the seven year plan, but, uh, <laughs> but not the seven year plan on purpose. Exactly. So. I want to toss this theory at you, and this is this is me conjuring up some Atlanta Braves stuff here. No, they didn't win it again, but in the back of their minds was sort of this, yeah, we didn't win it, but it's not as bad because we won it all a year ago. How do you think Kirby Smart is trying to get around that kind of uh, mental stuff for a team that did win it a year ago? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm hoping what's taking place is the guys are every bit as hungrier, if not hungrier, than they were last year. And I think that's what it comes down to. I think um, Stetson's decision to come back was huge. I think that showed to me because everyone knows that Stetson last year could have sailed off into the sunset. And they could have written a movie about it. And he could have been one of the greatest players ever to play at Georgia. He brought him back a national championship and everything would have been great. Uh, Stetson was clearly hungry to keep playing ball and hungry to try to take Georgia back to a national championship. So um, there's a lot of things. Look, what, what a national, there's so many things that stars that got to line up for that to happen. And uh, what you hope for as a player to coach is that you have a group of guys that are hungry and are hungrier to be great than they even were last year. And, um, and that's really what you're hoping for, where they're not really focused on, oh, we're going to win a national championship. How can I get better today? And if you can do that time and time again, you know, chances are you're, you're going to get better. And I know it's, they say it sounds cliche as about, you know, talking about the process, but look, in this game of football, there's so many things outside of your control as an individual. You got so many other guys you're depending on, uh, to do their jobs and you really got to focus on just doing your part and trying to get better at doing your part. And, um, and hopefully you got enough guys in that locker room that are rowing in the same direction with you. Okay. Last thing, give me the David green crystal ball of how this turns out Saturday. Lord, I wish I know. And George, I tell you one thing I've learned is right when you think you got, they got it figured out, you, you got no idea. Um, I'll say this. Look, I think it's really going to come down to George. It's going to come down to turnovers. Whoever turns the ball over the most, I think, is going to lose the football game. Uh, do I think Tennessee can score on Georgia? Absolutely. Do I think Georgia can score on Tennessee? Absolutely. I think it's going to come down to who doesn't turn the ball over, who plays the cleanest game, um, who's not getting stupid penalties, and uh, and ultimately – I mean, I think it's going to be a big battle. I do give the edge to Georgia. I think the home field advantage does matter in this game. I'm glad we're not playing in Tennessee. I think with the momentum they've got up there in Knoxville right now, uh, just makes things a little bit tougher. Um, so I'm glad we're playing in Athens. Uh, I love the fact that Tennessee is as hot as they are right now. Their hottest team in football. 
Georgia's proven. I mean, look, we we had what three or four turnovers against Florida and still beat them by twenty plus points. It goes to show Georgia's a very very good football team as well. Uh, it's going to be one of those epic weekends in Athens. I can't wait.